This evening we will be continuing our meditation upon the words of the Lord in the Gospel of St. Mark. We'll be completing the first chapter of Mark, so we'll have one down and 15 to go. And slowly this will take us over the course of probably about three years. And in the course of that, we will have each one of us the opportunity prayerfully, lovingly, carefully, thoughtfully, to reflect upon the words of this Holy Gospel and to encounter the Lord in that. I recommend, however, that in addition to this, that each one of us at different times put together a, a mark party where we get together a group of people. We can do it on our own if you want, but to read the whole Gospel of Mark aloud from start to finish in one shot. It takes more or less one hour and 22 minutes. Not that I've ever timed it. Maybe 23 if we read slowly. So it's not that long. And yet it is in that that we most profoundly encounter the Lord it was meant to be read that way, aloud and at once. And so I recommend get together in groups of, I don't know, 16 maybe, one each chapter or whatever. Practice, pray about it, think about it, block off an hour and a half, sit down and maybe in a circle and just go around and read the whole Gospel of Mark from start to finish. It's in that, the flow of it, that we most profoundly encounter the Lord. And people who have done this, their lives have been changed. I've sometimes mentioned about Anthony Bloom saying at the beginning of his wonderful book, Beginning to Pray, that he did it just on his own. He sat down and began to read the Gospel of Mark. And in the experience of that, he encountered our Lord Jesus. Pope Francis has been speaking in what he actually says, not what the media says he says, but in what he actually says, he's been speaking about how the encounter with Christ is first and everything else follows from it. The teachings, moral teachings, doctrinal teachings flow from it. But first we must have that encounter as on the road to Emmaus, which is the Gospel of Luke, but nonetheless on the road to Emmaus with the Lord. Did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us on the road? And so in that, I recommend that we do that. Just read the whole Gospel. However, we will be praying it slowly over three years, not in one hour and 22 minutes. And in the course of that, to savor each word and to let the Lord speak to us deep within our heart. The portion today is the second part of the first chapter of Mark. And it is a day in the life of the Lord. He has called his disciples. He has gone out into the desert, been tested. The Holy Spirit coming upon him at the Jordan, calling the disciples. And now he begins his ministry. And so this evening, we have the beginning of his ministry of healing, of exorcism, of preaching, and transforming the lives of each person, the apostles certainly, but also the others who meet him. He speaks with authority, they said. And so we listen to him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us that we may encounter our Lord Jesus Christ. 
as we meditate upon the words your servant Mark gave to us. Help us to let go of those barriers within our hearts, those sins which weigh us down, which block the pathway to our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help us to listen attentively, to let all that static within our lives be dispersed. Let it go, the worries and cares, all the things which so absorb us. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching? With authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever, and immediately they told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she served them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered together about the door. And he healed many who were sick and with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him pursued him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is searching for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. 
And he sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to the people. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the country and people came to him from every quarter. reflect on what God says to each of us. In these words of Mark, what does God say to my head, that I may know him, to my heart, that I may love him, to my hands, that I may serve him? We reflect prayerfully upon the words we have heard. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. He is Christ the teacher. He entered the synagogue in the midst of the people and taught. He teaches the way to his heavenly father. He's called teacher. He shows us the way. He entered the synagogue and taught. He teaches us. If we will listen to him, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He shows us the path. Christ, teacher, speak to me. May I hear your words and follow them. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So often we can try to build up our own authority by all kinds of footnotes to things. Use this or that or the other thing external to ourselves. Try to build ourselves up so people will pay attention to us. This is why you always introduce a speaker. Give a few words to puff him up so that people will think he has something to say. It's part of life. You build the bridge. But our Lord Jesus astonished people. It more or less says, a rough translation, they were blown away by him because he spoke with authority. This is what we encounter in our Lord Jesus. It's authority, not authority in the sense of the authorities, power of that type, but that authority, that radiance that comes from one who speaks the word of God from one who is the Lord amongst us. It is that authority which was experienced by the beloved disciple when at the end of John's gospel, he says, it is the Lord. It is that which Thomas said, my Lord and my God. 
It is an authority that comes not from something external. It is the authority that allows him to say to people, come, follow me, and they drop everything and follow him. This is the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, life-giving, freeing, liberating, not oppressing, not an authority that crushes us down because it is domination of one by another, but the authority that lifts us up because it comes from the one who gives us freedom. And they were astonished at this, amazed, filled with awe and wonder. And to each of us who finds so often our faith to be routine, we need to sense once more that authority of the Lord, where he speaks to our heart, it is the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, come to me. From all my sins, O oh, set me free. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Let's just ask the Lord to help us in our lives. Come before his presence, as we do when we come before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, as we do also when we hear his word. And let his authority lift us up and make us free. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus is not just some wandering teacher, only that, not, not just that. He is engaged in combat with the forces of the universe that are evil, the power of Satan. He cannot be tamed. Our Lord Jesus is not a kind of a well-behaved teacher who can be boxed by modern thought. He's dealing mano a mano with the, the power of evil. And for those who think that's just myth or something like that, perhaps you are asleep. Turn on the TV, look around us, look within. We are engaged in a great battle, but it is not one in which we have any fear, for Jesus is Lord. But there are powers beyond any that we can think we know about. The apostles don't really know who Jesus is. Most of the people he meets don't know who he is, but the unclean spirit knows who he is. This is the first real acknowledgement of who Jesus is. You are the Holy One of God. 
Indeed he is. It's good for us here in this cathedral especially, but anytime, anywhere, to say, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in this day of battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl through the world seeking the ruin of souls. The great Leo XIII created that prayer out of the apocalypse in 1 Peter. He created it out of a vision of the 20th century from the 19th century. Think of what he may have seen of the 21st century. We are not involved in petty things. We need to be attentive and recognize this. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. May we in our hearts recognize him as the Holy One of God. He who is, in fact, our Lord and our God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. Jesus doesn't go into long-winded exorcisms or things like that, just come out of him. You know, I think C.S. Lewis said, the devil is happiest when we believe we pay no attention to him and we pay too much attention to him. Our Lord pays appropriate attention to him. He says, come out of him away. This is, after all, simply a rebellious angel. It's not, you know, 50-50 between God and the powers of evil. But we need to be attentive, but not overly. The Lord is king. And he rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And so we need to live our lives in trust. The world, the flesh, and the devil, all three of them, cause us trouble. And the world and the flesh we have to be attentive to as well. Recognize them all, put our lives in the hands of the Lord, and move along. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching. With authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. He commands nature and it obeys him. He commands the unclean spirits. He doesn't really command us. He invites us, and we can walk away. But we need to be attentive to his invitation. But other forces of the universe he commands. He could command us, of course he does, but he invites usually, he invites. And allows us to walk away should we wish to. For he encounters us not simply or even mainly with power, but with love. His authority is not simply power. Here you see him exercising the authority of love. He speaks with authority, not as the scribes. 
That's how he encounters, we encounter him. But the forces of evil encounter his power, raw and simple. But us, he calls to us with love. And it's once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And we see in the gospel, the famous secret of Mark, the messianic secret, we'll see it soon. Because the fame is spreading, but fame is not enough. He's not just a famous miracle worker. He calls us deeper than that. And if anything, the buzz can get in the way. This is something we have to think about as well in our own lives uh, as we look at what is real religion. Uh, you know, fame, popularity, media attention, media buzz, that kind of stuff. That's not the real thing. <laughs> if anything, it's distracting. I think the Holy Father's running into that a little bit. The real thing is behind that. But this is not the real thing. And our Lord prepares us to recognize in our own faith the depth that must be there in each of us. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And now Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. And immediately they told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she served them. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever and immediately they told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she served them. Here we see Christ the healer. His power radiates out from him and the healing of sickness is a sign that the Messiah is here. The hand of God is amongst us. And so they, they reach out to him. And Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. Immediately they told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. This is how he heals you and me as well. He takes us by the hand and lifts us up. Remember the little girl in the other gospel, Talitha Kun, lift us up. He took her by the hand. There's something sacramental here. You notice in his miracles how often there is that physical touch of God that's called a sacrament, the physical touch. We don't just have mind to mind with the Lord. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And it's in the flesh of Jesus Christ that we see the Lord God. Christ the healer. And the fever left her. Out of him radiates life. And so should it be with each of us, although we may not perform any miracles of this type. And these miracles, after all, the fever, I'm sure, whether it left her, she eventually died and was buried. 
So the miracles are themselves temporary signs. But we're called, if we work in healthcare just across the street, we have St. Michael's Hospital, but we're all called to be the disciples of Christ the teacher, the disciples of Christ the healer, and to reach out and lift up the people around us, whatever it may be, very often most clearly to care for those who are sick whenever, was I sick and you visited me as we hear in Matthew's gospel? You cared for me? Was I in prison and you visited me? It's in those actions where we extend the presence of Christ in this world. Perhaps too we can be disciples of Christ the healer, lift people up by the way in which we're attentive to their inner sicknesses of the heart. For sometimes those are the hardest of all to heal. To be there with an attentive, listening heart. And to lift people up by that way we reach out to them. And she served them. She was healed. As we are healed in different ways, we are healed when we are healed of our sins in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. We are healed in different ways. And when we're healed, the next step is to serve. Just as when Our Lady received the great message that she would be the one through whom God came into this world, the next step was to go and help, to serve. To serve is always the next step. To serve Elizabeth, in that case, Simon's mother-in-law went to serve when she healed, she's healed. That's the next step for all of us. Not to be imploding in ourselves, but reach out to help others. As she was helped, so now she helps. And we're called to be disciples of Christ, the teacher, Christ, the healer, and Christ, the servant. We're all called, not just the Pope, to be servants of the servants of God. And so this is his first healing miracle. And he speaks to us now in this. Let's just ask ourselves as we listen to these words, what does he say to me in my own need to be healed and in the ways in which I can reach out to heal others in whatever way it may be? And how am I called to serve, to give thanks to God through that? And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever, and immediately they told him of her. And he came and looked, took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she served them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered together about the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. 
That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered about the door. We sometimes wonder how to evangelize, to bring the good news. When people see the presence of Christ, they gather about the door. We think of the great saints in whom people sense the presence of Christ, the teacher, Christ, the healer, Christ, the servant. They gather about the door because people are hungry for this. Each one of us is. This whole secular city that surrounds us here is yearning for that. If they see it, if it isn't encrusted with something else, I think this is why our Holy Father is trying to chip away at those things. And people gather about the door. If they sense the presence of Christ. It always astonished me over at the conclave, you know. The church, which is supposedly irrelevant in this secular world, yet there are an awful lot of cameras focused on that smokestack. A lot of people hungry and yearning, gathered about the door because they sense, even in the frailty of Christ's disciples, that here is Christ the healer, Christ the teacher, who in their heart they yearn for, as do we all. And so let that be in the way we relate to others. Let them find Christ within the door of our hearts. And we reach out. We're called to be that, to be his disciples. And if we live that life with authenticity, then we will be able to draw people not to ourselves, but to Christ. That's always the mission. That's why always with the best icons of Our Lady, she's always pointing to Jesus. She leads us to him, always. Same with John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. But people will gather about the door, not by us yelling at them or proselytizing or throwing the faith at them, but by us witnessing to it, by living in our own lives, the life of Christ the teacher, Christ the healer, Christ the servant, by living in the imitation of Christ. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered together about the door. And he healed many who were sick and various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Here we begin to see this secret. Later on, we'll see it too in just a few passages down. Whether the demons or the ones who are healed, just don't be talking about this. Let people experience it. In fact, it's not in chattering about Jesus that we find our salvation. We just need to experience his presence. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered together about the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Let's reflect on that in our own hearts what it says to our own experience of discipleship. As we gather about the door to be attentive to Jesus, 
And if we can serve him faithfully, maybe we can draw others to come to Jesus. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place. And there he prayed. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place. And there he prayed. Just as early on, he went out into the desert to pray and to be tested. But here, early in the morning, he goes out to a lonely place to get away, to pray to the Heavenly Father, and so should we at some time during the day, whether early in the morning or not, but early in the morning helps because things don't start yet. We get a little quiet time. I always like to go over to the monastery, the Trappist Monastery, and it's okay if you get to bed at seven, you get up at 2.15 for their first prayers at 2.25 in the morning. Mm, boy. I don't think the monks are singing, oh, rise and shine and give up the glory, glory. Remember I had an obnoxiously chipper fellow seminarian when I was in the seminary who was too enthusiastic. But our Lord gets up and goes off to be alone with the Heavenly Father. And we, we need to do that too. We're not as busy as the Lord Jesus. But he's just been casting out demons and healing and the whole town swarming about the door. Soon they're going to be breaking through the roof. But in the midst of that, you need to have that serenity. Even our Lord Jesus needs that. And so do we. The more we're engaged in the struggle of life, dealing with all our cares, the more we're busy, busy, busy. The whole town gathered about the door, whatever that means for each of us in our own life. Like the Lord, we need to go to a lonely place, perhaps early in the morning. Bishop Sheen used to say that. I have been reading his books for years and he talks about making a holy hour. And he also suggests making a cup of coffee before going out. I don't think our Lord doesn't mention the cup of coffee but it may be in an early manuscript that has disappeared. And, uh, you know, just make a little pot of coffee or whatever, go and just have a little quiet time before life catches up with us. Because I don't know about you, but after early in the morning, <laughs> it's bang, 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 one thing after another. And what can you do? So let's just pray the Lord to help us imitate our Lord, at least in this, that sometime during the day, maybe we're a night person, maybe we should do it in the evening. I think the Holy Father has his holy hour between seven and eight in the evening, but you know, whatever. But that at some time, we go away to a lonely place to commune in silent prayer with the Heavenly Father, to provide that contemplative foundation for the action which we're called to live as disciples of the Lord. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him pursued him, 
And they found him and said to him, Everyone is searching for you. Oh, my. Oh, there's Simon. You can just imagine. Our Lord, I'm sure, was very charitable, but there he is praying to the Heavenly Father. He sneaks away early in the morning, and here comes Simon and the others chasing after him, pursued him. Oh, my. So we can't expect our prayer life, you know, our prayer time to be particularly sacred. Other things break in. Here's Simon and all the others. So he did his best. We just keep I'm sure our Lord the next day got up early in the morning and went away to another lonely place and hoped that Simon was still asleep. But the moment is here. Simon has arrived with the other disciples, saying to him of all things, everyone is searching for you. I better, I know what our Lord may have said. I know, Simon, that's why I went to a lonely place. <laughs> oh, I think I got to go to a lonelier one that you don't know about. But anyway, everyone is searching for you, says Simon. Of course, Simon always blunders out these things. That's why maybe the Lord made him Pope, you know. He's, uh, he's kind of um, so candid and uh, straightforward. This is good. And Jesus said to them, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So Simon breaks in with the disciples. They're searching for you. So our Lord doesn't rebuke him at all. He simply says, let's go on to the next town. <laughs> okay, that I may preach there also, for that's why I came. It is to preach. And he'll have to sneak in the prayer time some other time. Just as, remember, he gets across the lake to try to get away, and then there are all the crowds, but they are like sheep without a shepherd. And so he preaches. We can't let, sorry, I got my prayer time now. That's not the way to go. And our Lord gives us an example of that. And so he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray that we ourselves may First of all, dedicate each day a little time of silence to be with the Heavenly Father and to find ways of doing that as best we can, early, late, whenever it may be, wherever it may be, but also that we recognize it is for a purpose, that we may be grounded in the Lord, that we may serve, just as Simon's mother-in-law was healed, that she might serve. And Our Lady heard the word, and then she went and served. So the serving always flows from the adoration. The contemplative always leads into the active and then goes back to the contemplative and then into the active, then back to the contemplative. It's always that rhythmic beat of adoration and action, adoration and action. They both must be there back and forth. May that be so in our lives. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. The leper on the margins, on the periphery, as our Holy Father speaks to us of this. 
physical, we don't know the exact disease there, but someone who was not able to come into the village. He was cut off. He could not, he'd have to say, unclean, unclean. And with Simon's mother-in-law, our Lord touched him, touched her, because this is incarnate, this is sacramental, as our faith is, and lifted her up. But here, our Lord touches the leper, and that's even more. He touched the leper. This was forbidden. This, no one could do that. It's like Father Damien, the great Damien of Molokai, who did not stay back, but moved in to be there with those he loved. And I think the leper was healed in more ways than one. Before he was physically healed, he experienced that he was no longer rejected. Here was the Lord himself, our Lord Jesus, touching him. No one had touched him for all those many years. And here Jesus touches him and heals him. We gotta think about that and then apply it in different ways in our own life as disciples and experience it as well. For times whenever we might feel that we ourselves, each one of us, any one of us might be a leper in different ways, not perhaps physically, but spiritually, or think of others we may know who sense themselves to be that, shunned, avoided, ignored on the edge. We think so often of people who can be like that, experience that, forgotten. Nobody reaches out, but we need to do that. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. May we ask for healing from the Lord and may we offer it. The hand of love and friendship compassion, mercy to people in our world who may feel like this man who was shunned. And he sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to the people. So our Lord is still trying to, you might say, fly under the radar. He's trying to be there so he can be available to people and tell no one about it except tell the ones who need to know so that he can be certified as cleansed and be back in with the people again. There's a process for doing that, and our Lord asks him to do that. And he sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest 
and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to the people. He's thinking not just of his healing, but also of how to integrate him back into the community. This is like the, the Good Samaritan who not only lifts up the one who's been hurt, but gives some money to the innkeeper to plan for the future. Our Lord cares for people. He doesn't simply heal him. He makes sure he can be brought back into that deeper community. And he tells them, don't be talking about this because he knows the effect if he does. There can be so many people around the door, our Lord won't be able to move and we see this happening next. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the country and people came to him from every quarter. It's kind of consoling to know that people didn't pay attention to Jesus. Think of this, you know. You know, he says, don't tell anyone, but he starts telling everyone freely. And so I think, oh, Lord, I can tell our Lord sort of saying, well, there we are. He tries to get away for prayer, and here comes Peter, galumphing in. He heals the man and says, be quiet about it. And he starts freely telling, oh, we are all kind of frail creatures, aren't we? And, you know, we control ideas, we control things, but you don't control people. We just sort of relate to them in different ways, and we're all kind of frail. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, right after our Lord himself had told him not to. And to spread the news, so that the result is what Jesus saw, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in the country. He was out in the lonely place, not to pray, but because he couldn't move. And people came to him from every quarter. For he taught with authority. He healed, lifted up, cleansed, freed people. This is the encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Lord. And as we see that in the gospel, we see it in our lives. May it touch our hearts, change our lives. May we be attentive, not just to his power, for the demons are need to be attentive to his power, but attentive to his authority lifts us up, sets us free. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching? With authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. 
Now Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever, and immediately they told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she served them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered together about the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him pursued him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is searching for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And he sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a proof to the people. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the country. And people came to him from every quarter. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.